Before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to remind you that my short story is available for free at johntilton.com. If you sign up for my newsletter, I'll send you both the ebook and audiobook of Doomed Dune. In this middle grade adventure, a girl named Melina travels to a forbidden landmark guarded by tyrannical robots, but her life turns upside down when she discovers the true reason it's off limits. Discover Doom Doom Secret by heading over to johntilton.com. That's J-O-N-T-I-L-T-O-N.com. Thanks again, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to Cause of Craft. I'm your host, John Tilton. Why do we create? Where do our ideas come from? What does our craft say about us? These are the ideas we explore here on the show. Each episode, I interview a different guest, from writers and painters to musicians and filmmakers. Together, we investigate the creative process and the reasons behind why we create. Relationships with family and friends are one of the most meaningful things in our lives, so it's natural that our art finds inspiration in them. This week's guest, Felicia Manning, shares how her family stories led her into the film industry and how they inspired her first screenplay. We also discuss creating projects with limitations, balancing family life with creative work, how to connect character with audience, and more. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, John. Yeah, thank you for having me. You've had interest in film and specifically directing. What got you on that track where you were like, oh, you know what? I want to work in the movie business. I think for me, I started off with a love for reading and writing like as a young girl. And I always was fascinated with just individual stories, probably starting with my own family. And my family goes deep with movies. Like we just had, we used to have when you had DVDs, like racks and racks and racks of movies and just loved watching film all the time. And so I think that's kind of like, it was a natural thing for me. And then there was a personal story within my family that struck me. And I thought like, wow, that would make an amazing script. I wasn't sure if I would go down that path, but I just made a decision at some point and thought like, I want to be a part of filmmaking in some, at some capacity. I don't really know exactly how, but I think I'm going to start with this story. Years have passed since then. I've been able to establish, you know, a career so far. And at that early stage, there was so much learned in the process um, that I would probably trace back 10 years and, and tell my younger self so much more things to skip the process. But um, it's been a fun journey. And, and yeah, I think I just started like in my early 20s, just knowing that I, I wanted to dive into film. You don't have to mention this specific family story if you don't want to, but, but when that story happened, was it a feeling that people should know about this? Or were you kind of looking at things in your life and, and thinking, oh, that's material that I could use to tell an important story? At the time, I mean, and I'm pretty public about this particular story. It's it's a feature film that I've developed. I've I've written the script and rewritten it tons of times, and eventually reached a point where it was optioned by a producer and it was shopped around at studios. Like I did the whole process, and so the film is called The Junkie, and it's based on my grandparents' life, where my grandfather was a heroin addict for 15, 20 years, and my grandmother, probably in her early 20s, really helped him fight against that addiction and kind of escaped that whole lifestyle when using drugs was a felony at that time. It wasn't really seen as kind of health issue or whatnot. So I think it hit me that I felt it could be a universal story because uh, I didn't really want to focus on the drug aspect. That's a massive part of it, but I wanted to show that this is a love story and it was their love for one another and their resilience and their fight that helped them overcome that obstacle and a lot of stories that I that I see um, showing individuals that are addicted, they're usually more passed upon and like kind of looked over 
versus seeing that a lot of these a lot of these individuals are you know human and have have family have children have husbands and wives and parents and loved ones that really care about them they're not just like these junkies on the street and i'm only saying junkie because that was the term at that point you know they're not just addicts and so forth there's more depth to it so it was just a story that i felt like this could be a really powerful universal story and and it's one that i wanted to to write and direct yeah i like how you connect that to something that is universal and the specific things you're mentioning about resilience and love and those are things that are so important for everyone to kind of see within themselves and and get through whatever struggles that they do have. I, I know I think a lot about that when I'm writing my books. It's like, basically, I'll be experiencing something in my own life, and it'll be very different than what my characters are going through. But I try to find the connection of what's the universal theme or what's the point that I can relate to in my characters. And so I can draw that out of them and draw that out of myself and put it into them. But I also through doing that know that okay, I'm experiencing that and the characters connected to me in that way, then perhaps the audience can also connect with them too. So again, it's like, you know, you're talking about addiction and things like this. And even if it's not drug addiction, I think that's maybe increasingly becoming a, a more and more important topic with addiction, with social media, electronics, video games, things like this. And yeah, I think that definitely has, has a universal connection, both in those emotional themes, but but maybe also in that addiction theme as well. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's a great point. It's it's really finding that connection across the board because not everybody can identify with like that specific journey. So in writing it, it's like, how can we expand this for many people to see this and, and find themselves in that, that authentic connection with these characters? Um, it's, it was a tough first story to write because, you know, he's kind of like an anti-hero in a sense because he's doing something that was hurting himself but I really wrote it from the perspective of the, the lead character being my grandmother and seeing her perspective throughout. And yeah, I mean, there's things that I even learned as a writer because, you know, I, I've never encountered, that's not something that's not something that I'm personally familiar with. You know, I'm a pretty straight edge person, you know, really don't drink, don't use drugs, none of that. I've never experienced those things. And yet here I am writing that script and that story. So I, I feel like it does come from a unique place in that way. And like, how do I find the truth? in these characters because that was their story and yeah so it was a really interesting thing to explore and I even learned things being a mom you know I wasn't a mom when I started writing that script and I was able to really revise a lot because she was a mother and learn and feel and place that into the the story a lot more deeply so that that was really interesting too kind of growing up with it myself yeah and I have family written down as something I want to talk to you about because I see you know on your Instagram and clearly family is something that's very important to you I guess even with the the fact that you were writing this story based on your grandparents so it's kind of looking into your past generations and also thinking about future generations do you see having children changing your perspective on work on set and things like that too That that's like the constant dynamic right is like when I started off in film, film is an extremely demanding industry. It's something when I mean, you're working with creatives and you at being a creative, you know, like my my hours to thrive. This is not everybody, but like I could stay up straight through the night. Um, now I'm forced to do that because I have a newborn baby. So it's funny because I would do that for a project, but now with my baby, I'm like, ah, my eyes, they burn. But yeah, juggling so many different projects and having family, I would say that now I'm probably more intentional about what I choose to work on. I'm extremely intentional about the projects that I take on and the creative work that I choose to pursue. 
So there's projects that come my way, you know, let's say like a client or an artist or a label or, you know, a company, whatever it may be, may reach out. That's like the work that kind of drives my, my business. And then there's work that on the, on the flip side that I choose that I say, like, I'm, you know, kind of tucking this away and I want to create, you know, a short film where I feel like there's a feature that I, I really want to pursue or how about like another spec commercial? And these are things I can expand upon more. So I feel like there's two categories. There's like the business side of film that is like my bread and butter. And there is the creative kind of passionate side of, of the projects that I pursue personally that nobody asked me to make. I just decided that it's what fuels me as an artist. You know, it's things that I want to see and create and I don't have to answer to anyone when I do them. And that honestly, that's like my best work. That's probably the, the most fun work that I create is the stuff where I get other people together we plan it out in our calendar and we go out and we make something that we love. Let's talk about one of those kind of extra creative projects then that you've done. I guess what's the most recent one that you've done that would fall in that category? Yeah, I just released an experimental dance film called The Best Ain't Happened Yet. It was in collaboration with a couple of individuals that I work with often, like when it comes to different commercial work and music video projects, like that's the team that I pull in. We kind of got together last year during the pandemic and we're just, you know, felt like we want to create something. We want to create something while there's this downtime. And uh, my production designer slash art director, her and I started with a conversation. I just told her like, hey, I want to create something. I've always wanted to make like a dance film, like something where I get, you know, really talented dancers, put them in a beautiful space and back that to like a really amazing song. I feel like it should be pretty simple to shoot and pretty quick to do like cut to a year later, it took so much time. <laughs> but in my head, I was like, this is super simple. We can just, you know, go out to the mountains. I know this amazing space. I've always wanted to film there. I would, I would hike at this space, like kind of this mountainous area when I was a teenager. And I've always would think like how beautiful it would be to film here. Well, what took forever was that we wanted to find the right song. And I thought, well, it'd be cool. Like, I'm sure there's an artist out there. I'm sure there's a musician that is like cooking up music. And they probably aren't releasing all of it. And there's probably a lot just sitting on their hard drives. We should start messaging artists. Okay, cool. So we start messaging and DMing and emailing, just hitting up individuals like, hey, do you have music? Hey, do you have songs? Hi, this is what we're looking to do. This is my body of work. Hello, are you interested in talking? Finally got, you know, some individuals that came back and we came across an artist named Child. He he had amazing music that he hadn't released yet. And he just said like, yeah, pick pick whatever song you want. And you guys can create to that. We, we also showed him what we would call like a treatment, you know, like I kind of, we kind of created like a mood board and found like just images and things to really sell the vision to like really show what we were looking to do. And then finding the dancers. Okay. Who wants to be a part of this? what kind of dancers, you know, and that has to go hand in hand with the song. So we listened to the song and then I kind of had ideas on the dancing and my production designer is like, her name is Katie Rosef. She's insanely talented. She's super collaborative and she's just a great friend and someone that I love working with. Um, she just started reaching out to her contacts, the fashionable side of it. We kind of wanted to be like dance fashion, which combines into experimental. I also really wanted to shoot on film. That was just something that I thought would be really special. Film has a really unique look. It's also a little bit expensive. So like we had to get like X amount of minutes of film. So everything had to be timed perfectly, you know, like down to the, like the second on the, when we started rolling, yeah, that's exactly what we get. We didn't really have a second time to do anything, which is kind of magical. Like I kind of loved it because with digital, you just film 
you just you can film endlessly. Like we can just have hard drives of of just footage. But with film, it's like exactly what you get. Like you kind of feel that energy when you roll and it's it's kind of special. So that's really kind of how that all came together, if that if that makes any sense. Um and yeah, I, I think it turned out pretty nicely. Yeah, it's interesting with the limited availability of the film. I I feel like there's a connection there. You know, obviously you're picking the film because it's it has a unique look to it and you've always wanted to work with it. But at the same time, it almost mirrors that limited availability you have as a person, you know, with your growing family. It's kind of tied together. I see like that connection there where, oh, I have to uh, make use of my time both because my family at home and also because, hey, this film strip is really expensive. Yeah, that's actually a really cool connection. That's it's kind of true in a sense. I've talked to a couple other filmmakers and animators and people who work on kind of the, like the bigger productions versus maybe, you know, like a an author or a painter who's who's pretty much in their office or in their basement, you know, making their art. You mentioned the number of people that you're collaborating with and it's not just picking where to shoot, but it's picking what to shoot to and what the costumes are, what the dancing is like. How do you take in all of the options that are available and all the ideas that people have? And how do you boil that down into a clear vision that, that everyone can, you know, kind of step together with? That's probably the the tough part, right? It's because film in and of itself is extremely collaborative art, right? Like I, I, I sometimes get jealous of the the fine artists or the animators or the individuals like the writer like that, that's why I like writing because you can kind of just sit and zone in on what your vision is for that particular piece which is also what you do as a director but it does take more than one person you know I've done things by myself and it cannot look the same as something where you bring so many people together there's always like this better quality to it it starts with especially as the director right like I have to come with a really clear vision and then choose where I wouldn't, it, some, it's compromise, yes, but I also just see it as like flexibility. You start with your resources. So I usually, it, there's multiple ways to start on how to keep everybody kind of on the same page, but also ensure that everybody feels heard and that their their talents are being utilized like to the fullest, right? It's on me to kind of start with some sort of guidelines, whether that begins with like, hey, like for this one, it's I said, I want a dance piece. I want to see dancing to some kind of music. I cannot describe what the music is, but I'll know when I hear it. And that could be broad. Um, I know the location. A lot of times location is the way that you start. You might drive past something and you're just like, that's beautiful. Like I've never seen anything like that. Or, you know, wow, I've always wanted to film underneath the freeway pass. I just love the the brutalist architecture, like whatever it may be. So you might see something that inspires you. And that, that's how I start. It's either a location or perhaps it is like, I just knew I wanted to do a dance piece. I wanted to be kind of a fashionable piece. I figured that's something I don't have in my portfolio of work. So that was kind of the lane that I was in. I feel like you get the, ba- the best answers through limitations. Like if you just like, I just knew like, like we're shooting on film. So, you know, if there's two people, we, you can only, you can't dance too far apart from each other because we can't do that many setups. So you guys kind of have to stay close together so we can film you both in the same shot. So that's something that would affect choreography, right? It literally, there's sometimes really practical stuff in that way that kind of helps inform your creative choices. How much of what you're shooting is kind of capturing the vibe of what you're going to put together later versus, I would imagine different music videos would handle this in different ways, but are you playing the track behind it and have things 
synced up specifically to the track or is it more capturing something that can be edited and remixed later to fit what you see in the editing room? Yeah, diff- every project's different. Um, like on one one music video that I did for an artist named Elena Castillo, we we had to be really smart about our time. Um, and so I'll have like a shot list in advance. And, and so some things, I think like I try to leave room for in the moment stuff because it always happens. Um, so either if I need to stick to my shot list, it's because like it's just really tight and we have to be like super smart. We got to keep moving. But even then, I love capturing things in the moment where you're like, oh my gosh, like just stand right there and do this and then turn this way. And like, we'll just kind of try to capture that stuff. But most times it is a lot of it, like 70% is planned. And then like 30% is just in the moment kind of magic that you hope you can get that you weren't expecting. You know, I relate to this because I like to plan things out, but then in the process of writing it, there's so many unexpected things that come up and then I implement those things. And it does kind of feel like this magical thing someone might not think to describe it as magical, but what to you makes that so important in the creative process? I'm really big on like the stories that I'm drawn to are always very human centric and character driven. And so for me, I look at like emotion. If I can see some form of emotion in that moment, and I feel like it's leading to that place. Like I don't want to disrupt that. And it is in the moment many times. I know at one point an artist, there was a a song and it was really meaningful to her and the label kind of gave me a note. They were like, Hey, you know, this is like, I feel like she's coming across like this. I'd like to see a little bit more tenderness. I'm like, okay. So I went to talk with the artist. I just told her to think about specific something, you know, I just like talked to her. I kind of went back to like, who was I at 19 years old? What was in my brain? And just like went there and she took it there and she was able to like develop some tears and like, kind of, and it, you know, it worked, like it kind of worked. So I feel like if you can keep an eye out for that, it means it depends on your personality too, right? Like some people prefer to just know, like, I plan this in advance and I will not steer away from this plan. And then others, every director is like totally different. I've, I've talked with different creatives and some people prefer, like, they don't even make a shot list at all. They just like arrive and have like a bunch of ideas and let's see what happens. Like, I can't do that. That's going to freak me out. I'm like, am I, I'm not going to be able to flow. Um, but I like a combination of both. Like I like to have a plan. I like to have intention and then, and then hope to be open enough, like leave enough room that, that you can explore some stuff and you can feel things. And, and you, you get that by just like talking to people, you know, just getting to know them and feeling really comfortable with them and, and building like that trust so that you, you capture that hopefully. When you were talking about the junkie, you talked about how there's this central idea of your grandparents' story. And when you were just talking about the music video, you talked about how, you know, it started with, oh, the location, you want to do something there. And then it kind of expands. You're talking about color palettes and things like this, and then actually turns into a full project. And I think people who would maybe like to try creative things, but are a little bit scared to that can be a good thing for them to know because it doesn't necessarily take like, like you don't have to jump in the first day and have something that's this completed plan that everything is perfect on. It's you have to have a a starting point is really all you need to get started. Yeah, you totally need a starting point. And I think it alleviates like the pressure um, because nobody, nobody starts by just like throwing paint on the wall and then just like, oh, it's so brilliant. You know, none of us do. I mean, I wish that was the case, right? Like, oh, the first line I wrote in that script, oh, this is perfect. I'm creative genius. But that's just not the case. It's a process. And actually, 
I would say if I if I just took the first attempt at an idea and didn't explore any further, then it's lazy on my end. You know, I didn't push it as hard as it can be pushed. And then the art is knowing when to say enough is enough, like on the flip side, right? Because then you could be like cultivating something like forever and you have to really draw the line and just say, we are going to make this thing. And usually for me, like if I'm not executing, it's just, there's something that I'm questioning. And I always have to go back to like, that's where I can't think about others. I have to think about myself and I have to remind myself to like trust myself, just trust myself. This this is not work. Maybe that's for everyone, but it's work that's going to be right for me. And that always kind of centers me and allows for me to move forward with more um, authenticity. Let's talk a little bit about um, some of the the more commercial side of things, these other projects. What do you feel like the biggest difference is between something like this music video you've done that's kind of out of your own creative ambition versus when a client comes to you? What What's different about your mindset? What's different about your approach? It's like completely different in many ways because I'm trying to hear from them like what they are looking for. Um, and obviously if they're coming to me, it's because I have a certain, I'm hoping I have like a certain style and I have something that they want that for themselves, which is pretty cool. Like that I could create work and somebody can see it and say, I want that for me. And so I approach it very differently because I'm not accountable to myself. Now I'm accountable to a company or a client and, you know, and that's a completely different level. And so it's just being like really clear on what they want. And then I, my job is to kind of share my take on on an approach. Like I'll usually come back with like a couple concepts of like, and pitch that to them and then see what resonates and have those conversations to kind of lead to a final project. Have you ever been surprised by what what resonates in them about your work specifically or about ideas that you have, maybe one idea versus another that you don't necessarily expect going into it? Yeah, it's funny because... Like, let's say if I'm coming up with concepts for a commercial, there's ones I'll think really hard about. And I'm just like, oh, I'm just like trying to push it and figure it out. And it's taking forever. It's not landing. I'm like, oh, God, this sucks. And, you know, then I'll, I'll share that. And then there'll be something I'm like, oh, this isn't like, this isn't that interesting. But I'm just going to include it because it came too easy. Or it's kind of, like, eh, you know, we'll see. And that sometimes is the one that they like. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like I put so much effort into these other two concepts. But this one that I just put in last minute that I was I had in me but I was doubting the whole time is the one that stuck with them. And that's happened a few times. So I need, probably need to follow this trend, but yeah. And, and I do find that other people can probably tell me about my type of work a lot better than I can say it myself. Like I've rehearsed it and I've learned it. So I'm, I'm better at it now, but I think over time it's funny hearing like how people would say like, wow, you have this kind of style and this kind of work. And it helped me define my own, my own style. Cause I, I, I couldn't really make that out for a while. I was like, I don't know what my style is. Yeah, you kind of get blind spots to your own work. You're so close to it and it's difficult to it's difficult to see what's setting you apart because at least I get this when I'm writing. It's like when I'm writing, it's like, well, this is what this is what it is. <laughs> like I, to me, I'm just like writing what it is and not seeing the unique spin and perspective that my own life experience is putting on the work. You know, it's not until someone else looks at it that I can better appreciate the angle that I, that I naturally took. Right, right. Yeah, I, I totally get that. Um, I wrote a, I wrote a short and I'm probably going to be shooting it at the end of the year. And it's something I've been sitting on. I, I wrote it a couple years ago, but somebody read it 
And they completely like defined the project so much more deeply than I ever intended. <laughs> I was like, okay, like that right there, I need to record and repeat. Like that is the pitch for this short film. Because <laughs> I didn't know that when I was writing it, but that's so smart. Like, thank you for that piece of intel and my own work. Earlier, we were talking about, you were mentioning, well, there's there's the way that you approach directing and then there's the way you approach editing and then there's the way you approach writing. Um, since we're talking a little bit about your your scripts now, what do you feel the connections are both similarities and differences between directing something on set and when you're writing a script? How is that creative process similar and how is it different? It's really different um, because writing is a really intimate thing um, and, and you're in your head like a lot, right? Like, I mean, you know that you're just like in your head and you're like in this space and you're in this world and you're just trying to develop it and make it as authentic as possible. And that process, like the process of completing a script is insane. I mean, there's just so much involved. Like I always tell my husband, I'm like, every time I see a movie on screen, I don't care how horrible it is. Not that I think that like tons of movies are horrible, but if, let's just say there's a movie out there that happens to be quote unquote horrible. It's still a miracle. <laughs> it's still a miracle that that got on screen because it is so much work to get a film made. So the writing process is like, it's enti an entirely different beast because you have so many things and so many plot points and, and so much that you have to build in this world before you can finally start shooting it. And that's what I like about commercials and music videos and, and this other work because it to me it's more immediate because I started by saying I'm gonna make a feature film yeah and I was like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and it was it just was a lot of education and it's a ton of work and it takes a long time so commercials and music videos is a way to still like stay behind the lens it's, it's a way to write quick things and still get it made and those can still take a lot of time too but script it's just a process. I feel like it's more internal. It's like, it's me and my screen and late hours and early mornings and just constantly thinking and researching and cultivating the story and the formatting and just all of it. By the time I step on set, let's say to shoot something, that production part is like a big payoff. It's just a really big payoff because it's just really fun. You finally get to leave the isolation and be around individuals that all are creating together to like for this common goal and it's just extremely fulfilling. So I, I love getting on set and, and writing. I, I love that side of it too, but it's just longer. It takes a lot longer. So you have this more immediate kind of reward when you're on set, but clearly you like to write as well. So I guess, what is it about the writing of the scripts that gets you through the fact that it's going to be hard? It's going to be isolating. It's going to take so many revisions and research. What is it about having written something that makes you want to spend that extra time and effort? I think it's just the creative freedom that you have to tell a story that you really care about. And it's worth it in the end because it's something that will always speak to you. For me, it's a deep passion. And it's just having like the most creative freedom and flexibility to like explore and create something that, that I want to make. So instead of, especially when I come from like now commercials and, and work that is tied in with clients, um, who I love, like I, I have great people that I work with on that side. But when I work on scripts, it's just something that I can write, write a story that's true to me and, and not maybe have to be accountable to anyone else. And eventually I do. I mean, if I want to get it made, like it has to be shown and read and shared and so forth. You got to get people on board. But at least it starts with the idea of like, this is a story that I, that I feel extremely like strong about 
And I think that it will impact the world in some way, you know, like I, I prefer to make work that's like inspirational, that will have someone exit and say like, that made me feel better. And that, that means something to me. That's probably like why I do what I do. Have you gotten to see any of your work with an audience, either with a music video or with any of these short films? A few times. It's not all the time because a lot of things that I create are digital, you know, everything's online. So you, you, the most we get is like little, little fire emojis. and like, yeah. But yeah, I have been able to see my work screened before and it's really cool. Like it's so cool to hear people like laugh or smile or like, oh, and just have a reaction or response. Like that, that's awesome. Like you're getting feedback on your writing or feedback from clients. Do you find the feedback that you get from the live audience to be surprising in some ways? Yeah, sometimes it's different, you know, like you can get with clients, it's really just a one person's perspective. And you are you have to like, I have to answer to that, per, that individual's perspective and you know, their department, or like their superiors, whatever it may be. So that 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 has its own kind of like, limitations in a sense, right? And then when you have like, people watch it, like, I'm always really critical of my work, like, I'll see it. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I always have something to say, I need to stop that. But I think that when I show it to just like everyday, like just people that aren't in film, you know, they aren't, they have no interest in that. They're just, they just receive what you create. And they always love it. And it's like, so fulfilling, right? I mean, not always. I'm, I don't want to sound like I have an ego, like, yes, everything I put out is so brilliant. But like audiences or viewers or people are just like way more forgiving. They just enjoy to see things that are meaningful, I guess. I don't know. I, I feel like I butchered that answer for you, John, but. No, I think it's good because I think, you know, it goes back to what we were talking about before with like, you have a blind spot to your own work, both in the sense of understanding what might stand out about it versus something else, but also you end up not being able to see the best aspects of it because you know, I get that too when I'm creating something. It's like, well, I see everything that I want to improve. But at some point, like you said before, you have to finish it and you have to be done because or else it's going to be eternity until it's finalized. And so you have to accept your own limitations and accept that it's not going to be perfect to you and that the people who experience it, they're not going to see it with the same vision that, that you are in that vision being, oh, this is what I need to work on. This is what I need to revise. Because I think for artists, that's just a never-ending cycle. Yeah, exactly. Like, we're so close to it. So so we're analyzing it in a completely different way. Like, our mentality is just so different because I, I see every single frame. And I'm like, yeah, you just know the entire process. You know what went behind that shot and that line and that decision and that edit. So, yeah, I'm glad to find out that it's extremely common, which is why I think it's so important in the creative process, by the way, to to just align yourselves with others that are creating amazing things too, or um, it doesn't just have to be in your field. Like I don't have to just talk to another filmmaker, but anybody that is creating, because it's like healing to hear their mentality and their process and kind of like these conversations we're having um, and realize like you're not alone in, in, in how you, how you might see something or how long something might take or whatever it may be. Like it's, it's nice to remind yourself that other people, like we all have the same really similar experiences and when we when we put our work out there because it's vulnerable like this is this kind of industry or this type of this type of work like you are personally like putting something out there and it's like your stamp in a sense right it's like your brand that that's fascinating to me and it, there's a lot of vulnerability in that too so once i've learned to like over time kind of accept like once it's out i just got to let it be out and and celebrate that too find the 
positivity in it and be, you know, just celebrate that something I created is out there and learn from it. What you were saying ties back to that idea of family too, because it's, you know, there's the family that's related to us in our household and generations before and after us. But then there's also kind of this creative family of, of people who have had this. You think about people who feel like family because they went through some, like, you know, they hiked some difficult mountain together and they kind of understand each other because they were on this week long journey through like the wilderness or, you know, you hear stories like this. And I think with creativity, like you said, you're putting so much of yourself, so much of your soul into the work. You're making yourself vulnerable and you're taking on these challenges that, you know, you might spend weeks and weeks and months and years on something and it might not turn out or it might not work out. And I think that there's kind of this group of people who have been through that process that can relate to each other on a level that's different. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm super late to the game here, but I, uh, I just watched Project Greenlight on HBO and it was fun watching that because they're creating a feature film. They're picking one director and he gets a script. And anyways, just watching that and just seeing like he had a script and, and them telling this director, like, this is a great script. It's so funny. I'm like, man, it must be nice. He just wrote a great script. He just had it sitting there on the shelf. Right. But then he gets it out and they just give him all these notes. So like he has an incredible, it needs an incredible amount of work. And there's a lot that needs to be changed. I hope he knows that. And I'm like, oh, I was like immediately relieved. I'm like, right. Okay. Nobody's just like writing this perfect thing. You know, it, it takes time to craft and cultivate and, and it takes a lot of people. And it took me time to learn that because I thought, you know, you do it alone, but you really don't like with a script, at least I can speak to that. You have a lot of people in the process that need to be a part of that and are giving you notes and helping you. And it's not just like working by yourself and writing a script and getting it out there. There's a lot of revisions, there's a lot of rewrites and there's, you know, notes and things that come back to really get that project to where it needs to be. Knowing that helps me a lot because sometimes I had it in my head, like that one writer doing this whole thing from scratch completely alone and they're just brilliant. Why am I not this way? But, you know, it takes time and that, that helped me understand that it's a deeper process and it's a huge collaboration. Yeah, so much of it is from revising and getting better and, and then learning, like we were saying before, like what you in particular are good at and cultivating around those attributes as well. Your uh, website where people can see some of your work is feebrandfilms.com, F-E-B-R-A-N-D films.com. I'm curious, where did the name Fee Brand Films come from? My cousins, I guess this does go back into family. You're helping me see this a lot. My cousins used to call me <laughs> Fee. <laughs> they still do. They call me Fee. So it might, you know, it's short for Felicia. So everybody in my family is like, Fee, Fee, Fee. I just planted that in front of Fee Brand Films. Um, and I like brand films because at the time it was just meant like really telling like a pure story within any sort of project, like some sort of story within there. So yeah, Fee was just like a family name that stood with me. Cool. I didn't expect that. I was actually, I was trying to figure this out ahead of time and I looked it up in fee in Spanish. I think it stood for like belief or faith. And I saw that, um, that you had believer in your Instagram title. So I thought there was maybe a connection there, but again, maybe it's this kind of unknown connection that you don't realize until later that it's both was my nickname growing up. And then also it has this other connection to it as well. I mean, listen, this is my big takeaway from today. That, yeah. that connection is all there. You just connected all the dots, John. So I'm totally going to use that now. It's exactly how it happens. I used the name too. Like there was a cartoon I pitched to like Nickelodeon back in the day. And I made this superhero called her Fee Bandana. And 
like feed. I kind of pulled like means has like iron and like all these different things. And that was like her strength. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of directions you can go with that. That's cool. I like that. Um, but then of course, yeah, tying in with, with your family, which again is so important to you. Um, I found that thinking about family and even, you know, it's not the same as, as having kids, but we have a dog and when we got the dog, it's like, there's, there's just something extra then that like goes into like my creative writing and things like this. Like, it's interesting how the important things in life can sometimes be the most important influences on us as well. I think a lot can offer inspiration. Like a lot can offer inspiration if we just pay attention to it and write it down. Like I'm making more of a habit to continue to write down like the little random things that I'm like, that's kind of funny. And just because I actually forget. So it's better to just, I kind of have this ongoing list of just things that I feel like stand out to me. Felicia, it was amazing talking with you. I'm so glad uh, we could do this. Uh, Thank you for spending this time and um, sharing your work with us. So I guess we already mentioned your website. Where are other places that they can find you on Instagram or on the web? Yeah, I feel like my website's a great place to start. And then I'm pretty active on Instagram. So if you want to find me on there, I would love to, always happy to connect, always happy to offer any advice that I can at Felicia Manning. F-E-L-I-C-I-A, and then Manning replaced the A with a V. Well, great, Felicia. Thanks so much for your time. I really enjoyed talking with you. Yes, likewise. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cause of Craft. You can find Felicia's work on her website, thebrandfilms.com. That's F-E-B-R-A-N-D films.com. And you can follow her on Instagram at Felicia Manning. But the A in Manning is actually a V on Instagram. You can find direct links in the show notes and on the Cause of Craft Instagram. Hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. And if you enjoyed our conversation, please consider sharing with a friend and leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Those two things really help the show grow. And if you have feedback, suggestions, or guest recommendations, send an email to john at causeofcraft.com. That's j-o-n at causeofcraft.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.